Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I am your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter and founder of The Copyworks. In this podcast, I interview marketing and copywriting experts on all facets of, well, marketing and copy, with an emphasis on the link between the two, with a focus on creating higher conversions in your B2B business. I also include recordings from the other side of the table where I'm interviewed by the host of other podcasts and short clips of tips from yours truly on copywriting. In short, you'll find something for everyone in the marketing and copywriting B2B world. Let's dig in. today is Morgan Smith. So Morgan is the managing partner of Aligned, and he's also co-host of the B2B Power Hour, and he's a brand strategist. So even though he's a web designer by training, he clearly has worn and continues to wear many hats. So he's been an agency director, solopreneur, and even once worked as a city branding lead. So he now helps sales teams use the fundamentals that he's gleaned from social media to book meetings and close deals. In today's episode, Morgan talks about social selling, which I clearly admit that I didn't really know what it was until I spoke to him. So he talks about what it is, why it works, and how to do it. Let's dive in. Well, welcome, Morgan. I am excited to have you on the, the podcast. We've talked so much at other times. So it's like about time you're on my podcast. <laughs> That's so funny because I think you hop in my comments every so often. I realized I haven't hopped in yours recently and I feel kind of bad about that, but I know that we've- As you should. Shared, <laughs> share, as I should, yeah. And shared content and conversations. So I'm excited to be here. Well, cool. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, you have that saying where, where people say, you know, make sure that in order to learn things, you need to be you, you should not be the smartest person in the room. And thankfully, I don't have the problem where I ever think that. This is why I'm having you on. <laughs> because you've been talking a lot about social selling on LinkedIn. And I'm not clear on what that is. I know what social networking is. I know what dark social is. So I, I'd like to know, what is social selling? It's a great question. I think it's a term that gets thrown around a lot in the same sphere as social networking as content marketing as demand generation all of these alphabet soup acronyms that b2b has so in my book social selling is a mix of direct and indirect methods and if you picture a seesaw sort of back and forth you want your direct and indirect to be evenly weighted. So you don't want the seesaw to be too high or too low on one side being direct or or the other side being indirect. And so indirect methods are content. They're brand building. It's commenting. It's sort of showing up publicly and building your personal brand on the platform. That's Mm -hmm. all indirect. And then direct is outreach and conversations, and DMs, and connecting with people, and doing the direct sort of conversations that Mm -hmm. are traditional in sales. And so if you picture the seesaw, if you have a lot of weight on the indirect side, and so you're doing a lot of indirect, but you're not doing a lot of direct, you're basically doing demand generation. Because you're posting content out on the platform, and you're attempting to drive in bound leads off of that content. 
But if you invest too heavily on the direct side and you don't do enough of indirect, you're just selling on social. Mm -hmm. And there's no difference between the email, between the phone, and between social networking. And there should be because social plays by a different set of rules. So social selling is a mixture of those two things together for a seller. So I think what throws me is the word selling because mm -hmm. if it's like, like I probably do too much of the indirect because I do a lot of commenting. I just, it's, it's gotten to the point where I'm almost, I wouldn't say afraid, but I'm very apprehensive about feeling like I'm selling. I mean, is that like a common thing? And Super how do you, common. how do you balance that out? Because I get I, people pitching me all the time and I'm like, yeah. great, this is just annoying. Exactly. The, the, the problem that we have right now is that a lot of people who do direct methods do them really poorly. Mm -hmm. And so our framework for when we think about reaching out and connecting with somebody and trying to sell them on something is connect and pitch or pitch slapping or right. some sort of spammy message off an event that you decided to register for on a random Friday afternoon and suddenly you've got seven inbound messages in your <laughs> inbox and you're like, what the heck is this? That is not good direct outreach. No. And in my book, what direct outreach actually looks like is you're taking all of your indirect effort, mm -hmm. all of your indirect outreach, and you're building trust at scale. So you're building in public, you're commenting, you're creating content, you're building your brand. And then as you connect with people, over time, you're figuring out the timing that makes sense to reach out to them and say, hey, I noticed that you just launched this, or mm -hmm. I noticed that your company it's always an observation. I noticed that your firm did XYZ or you launched a recent website or you posted your results on SEO. And the goal of that is just to strike up a conversation because the worst thing to do is to lead in with a pitch. One of the phrases we use on direct outreach a lot is you want to sell them on the problem instead of the meeting. And that is so that they understand what you solve but mm -hmm. all of that happens casually. I mean, LinkedIn DMs are no different than texting. So mm -hmm. what prevents people from doing direct outreach is they don't know what to say. Right. So it's important to figure out what a roadmap could be for a conversation before you enter into it and mm -hmm. to know what you're looking for, to know or to have a guess as to what you want them to say, to say, is this person qualified? Is this the right time? Because if it's not the right time, they're not going to buy, period. That's true whether you're doing connect and pitch or you're doing direct outreach on a warmed up account. Doing direct outreach doesn't have to be spammy. It is just a way to connect with accounts and with leads that are good prospects mm -hmm. that maybe haven't come inbound yet. And so you want to strike up a conversation with them. Because the worst thing too, second to being pitch slapped, is when somebody purposely strikes up a conversation with you in the DMs and you know they oh, just want to pitch you and they're <laughs> just trying to start a conversation, which is so – I just want to say stop. Just stop. I know what you're doing. Like, hi, how are you? How do you like copywriting? And there are questions like that that I think, you know, so to get that to that thing. point, you need to know the person a little bit before you, I think. Yeah, I mean, we sort of talk about timing and triggers as two of these three T's that we generally talk, talk about in prospecting. And the third T is targeting. So you need to know who you're actually going after, of course. From a timing sense and from a trigger sense, Basically, you're trying to figure out what event 
would make this person a qualified lead. And that event can be a number of things. In my industry, since we do social selling work a lot, one event is they're hiring an enablement manager. And that means they're hiring somebody to support their sales team in term, in term for content and messaging and all the rest of it. And another event is that they just hired 10 new SDRs or BDRs or account executives. And that's another event. And so if you think of like a layer cake, each layer of the cake can be a trigger. And so not every account that has this event may be a qualified lead, but you're basically trying to build a a mental business case that's like, here's why I'm reaching out to this person. And it changes the conversation from that fake report building of like, mm-hmm. wow, how long have you been copywriting? <laughs> oh, oh, you've lived in Denver. Yeah, I live in Denver. Oh, you've lived in Denver for so many years. I haven't yet visited. And it's like, oh, come on. We can see through that BS, right? It is so much better. It's so much kinder to just be clear about why you're reaching out. Mm-hmm. Because if you connected with them four months ago and they've seen your content and, and maybe engaged with some of your comments, you can follow up with, hey, I just noticed your company went through this. And usually other companies that go through this experience X, Y, Z. Does that resonate with you? Is that what you're going through right now? Or is that something that you're experiencing right now? And that immediately attunes to, okay, they probably have something to sell me, but they're not scam artists. Right. And they've, I've seen their name and face before because of all the indirect work that you were doing previously. Yeah. So like for me as a copywriter, if somebody said, you know, they DM me and said, I noticed that you're doing a lot of content. Do you need, do you have trouble organizing all of it? Because I do. <laughs> Nobody's preached that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, anybody listening to this, you can <laughs> hop on this for Linda. <laughs> do you need help with it? And so that would be a real targeted Mm-hmm. kind of pitch. But even then I wouldn't take offense. And if it's something that you're interested in, I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, B2C, like I have, I get so much promotional emails and if it's a product or a company that I buy from all the time, I welcome, I'm like, I can't wait to see what is next, what's on sale. You know, it's not bothersome or annoying at all because that this is, I buy from them. So, mm-hmm. but so the so being a content creator is not the same thing. So you you seem to like separate content creation as part of social selling, but it's not social mm-hmm. selling. So I, I think it's pretty easy to confuse because the results are the same. And the result of being a really effective content creator and the result of being a really effective social seller is you get a ton of inbound leads, a ton mm-hmm. of inbound traffic. But the difference is when you're a content creator, 80 to 90% of your time on the platform is really focused on creating better content and engaging with other people's content. And that's how you're, you're basically building a brand. And social sellers do this too. It's part of the formula, but it's not where they end. And in fact, most of their time isn't spent creating content. You know, Maybe 20 to 30% of their time actually has to do with content. And that's because the payoff, and I'm sure you know this is our experience as well. The payoff for being a content creator is not three weeks. (laughs) It's not a month even. It's like six months or more. Six to 12 months is sort of the benchmark for any sort of demand generation effort. So somebody who's getting on social to try and generate leads, to try and 
you know, create qualified deals with people who actually need what you have to offer need more than just a six to 12 month timeline. And that's where all the direct stuff comes in. Mm -hmm. So the end result of doing direct and indirect really well continues to be a lot of people coming to your profile and hitting that message button or that connect button and saying, Hey, I want to learn more because you've been out in the communities engaging in the comments and having conversations with people that aren't just pitches, right? You're getting to know folks, you're attending events and saying, Hey, what did you, I saw you went to this event. What did you learn? What was your favorite takeaway? Cause this was mine. And you start to build those relationships, sometimes one-on-one, sometimes at scale. And all of those things funnel to the same thing, which is a lot of people know your face and know your name. And so they come to your profile and say, you got to tell me more about what you're selling because I like what you're doing. It's the same result, but the methods are a little bit different. It's like staying top of mind. It's like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk on LinkedIn about just the subconscious, like, you know, when something, when you need something, you know, like people need a copywriter, maybe they haven't for, you know, a long time, but then I'm constantly out there. (laughs) That's what people have been saying lately. You're everywhere. Uh I'm like, I don't know where everywhere is, but I guess I'm out there a lot. You're an effective social seller in many ways. You know, that's part of showing up, right? (laughs) But yeah, but I always hesitate with actual, because in copywriting, there's a thing with email sequences that Mm -hmm. there's a, a formula where research has shown after three emails in a sequence that people drop off like, crazy. So the thing is one, two, three pitch. So value, value, value pitch. If you're selling something, obviously. So I still hesitate with that because even at that, you're going to lose people, you know, and, but I guess you're going to lose them anyway. When you think about it, if they're never going to buy from you, they're just not going to buy from you. Right. And that's where like, we're not Kyle Williams who came on the show and he's fairly active out on LinkedIn. He had said this funniest thing on his interview. He had said, we're not doing pharmaceutical research here. Like the, the cost to failing is nothing. The cost of screwing up a lead is the fact you just didn't get this lead. It's there's no lives at stake. There's, (laughs) we don't have weapons, you know, going to explode somewhere. It's just like, Oh, Hey, I really screwed up this thing with this one lead that I kind of wanted. The most important thing for me is to figure out what the, the timing and the triggers are for direct outreach. Because if you can nail that, if you can nail that business case, you have a reason to reach out. It's like in Star Wars, you know, the Princess Leia moment. Like, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, you, <laughs> Your leads are saying that in that moment. And you're Ben Kenobi coming to the rescue. But that it that's the goal obviously and most sellers who do social selling even don't cross that threshold when they do direct outreach because they'll settle for a few sales nav filters and spam out a ton of different dms which is unfortunate and i would think you have star wars figurines somewhere (laughs) (laughs) funny enough i don't think i do i might have a lego set somewhere from when i was much younger that's sort of you know in a memory box somewhere i (laughs) that's so funny it's just too that you know people are very sensitive to being pitched even if it's a very subtle thing but what you said makes sense in other words you want to look for when somebody has a need like you you follow them enough so that you really know who they are. So it's not like you, because you really can't fake it. You can't just jump into somebody's feed and offer, you know, something where they've never spoken to you or never seen you in their feed before. Um, someone had recommended signing up for like B2B newsletters or a, a B2B alert on Google. So any company that 
merged or that mm-hmm. is having like they're do, doing something where you may be needed that then you would say, hey, I saw it in this, you know, press release that this happened because I've reached out to people that way. Like at the beginning, it wasn't really working. So I stopped. I still think you need to know people. Right. And so this is when you think about the seesaw, the direct alone by itself is not as effective as direct and indirect together. If you've been very strategic, which isn't necessarily a prerequisite, but if you've been very strategic about the accounts that you're commenting on and that you're targeting your content to, and that you're connecting with, then over the course of three months, let's say, those accounts can be warmed up, and I'm in quotes, that they know your face, they know what you offer, they know the value that you provide. You've built some trust, not a ton of trust, but you've built some trust. So when you reach out, it's not a cold email. You're not an anonymous seller. It's like, oh, Linda's reaching out to me. I know that face, I know that name. And the more that you invest in the indirect, the more effective the direct can be because yeah. you've built trust at scale with your comments and your content with all the accounts that see your comments and content. And right. so when you do direct outreach, it's not just, hey, I noticed you know, the, what, the anonymous Facebook profile, you know, the gray right. user icon coming <laughs> into your DM inbox and saying, hey, I saw your company did this. Like that, that's not what it is. There's a face and a name and a profile and a headline and an experience. And like, oh, I wonder what she's up to. And it changes the game when all of those things are stacked together. You know, it's, it always comes back to relationships. When you think about any friendship or any relationship that you start with someone, like when I go to the gym, cause I really, I'm an introvert. I don't get out much. So when I go to the gym is where I meet people because you already have common ground, you know, you're at the gym like right now. So we're in a new place in Arizona. I've been going to the gym for two months. I still haven't spoken to a single person. And it's so funny, but I go the same same time every day, just like what LinkedIn, you post the same time. So I already know the faces that are there. So I'm establishing like, okay. And there's one woman there who looks very friendly, who I think at some point I'll probably talk to her, but then, but it takes a lot for me to trust somebody and to, and I'm sure it's the same for most people. Right. But then once you start to talk to them, you know, or, and even on, on here, you know, if you don't have an agenda, it'll be obvious that you actually are just interested. And that's, that's, I think what really works. Yeah. You can't well, fake it. Yeah. You can't fake it. And the gym's actually a great analogy. It may, it would be awkward in sort of the context of the gym, but if you were somebody who knew how to do a, a certain form, if you knew what a good squat form looked like, and you noticed that there was somebody who came into the gym and didn't hadn't really been there before, especially if you're a regular, and noticed that they were racking up some weights and they were warming up on squat and their form wasn't correct so they could injure themselves. Now, you may not be the person to intervene, but maybe you there is a reason you should intervene. Maybe you, you're a personal trainer at the gym or maybe you have a reason to help them. Then you can say, hey, but I noticed you're doing squats. I don't know, you know the whole conversation changes as you're genuinely helping them. Like, Hey, I don't know if you've done this before, but I noticed that like you're a little wide on one of your stances and there's a potential of injuring. Do you want, I can help you with that. I'm a trainer sort of thing. That's good direct outreach. That's what good direct outreach sounds like because Mm -hmm. sometimes not every person is aware of the problems that they have, but you're able to identify for them. Like, 
here are the consequences of your own actions that I know that you may not know. And that can create a relationship around a particular problem. But yes, I mean, you can't fake that either. And you have to really know the person. Because I was a trainer for like 20 years. Yeah. And I can tell you that people would pay me 100 bucks an hour and still not listening to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going up to someone at the gym. And it would have to be, if I, I saw another woman who was definitely going to hurt herself by doing something, I would. that's the only time I would say something. Because unsolicited advice, just mm-hmm. like... A pitch that is un- just like an, yep. it's the same thing. It's rarely welcomed. It's always like, "Who are you? Yes. Why are you saying this to me?" You know, yes. kind of thing. Right. Uh, but yeah, but it, I mean, it's a good analogy. But that's it's just getting to know people. You know, through, through just seeing them. Right. And on the seesaw analogy, the difference between just somebody random at the gym helping with you and leveraging indirect methods on social selling to warm up accounts is it's a friend at the gym. Right who's saying, hey, I see you're trying out something new. That's awesome. That's that relationship. But you're going to get hurt. So here, can I help you sort of thing? (laughs) And that's where some people – I've noticed, and I I worked for for myself for uh, many years. I continue to. And the uncomfortable piece for me was always this sales conversation. And so Mm -hmm. through brute force, I have – learned (laughs) how to navigate some of it and the initial outreach step is always the one that I'm that I screw up the most it's always the one that I I miss just some messaging thing or I don't get it exactly right but through trial and error I have figured out that that's okay and you eventually get to a point where you really nail that. And social allows us to do that in a trusting environment where we have that relationship on the front end. And the thing to using that same analogy is when people see you all the time and they see that you know what you're doing and they come up to you and say, I have a question, you know, could you show me how to do this thing? It would be like someone coming to you on a lead. It's an inbound lead that they actually, you don't have to do anything. They just, they know that you can help them. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing. But what about, so how does social selling like change deal cycles and deal flow? How does that Mm. work? Yeah. It's an interesting question. We don't, we're working on getting data for this. (laughs) Because we have a lot of anecdotal evidence. If you are a seller, and and even if you're a combined marketing team and a sales team, and you measured from first touch to closed deal, let's say that's, I don't know, 12 months. Okay. So your actual deal cycle, the time that they started talking to your B2B sales team is six months of that. But marketing handled the other six months because they entered in their email and they were nurtured and they had all the email sequences. So from first touch to close, it's 12 months. There's that middle point where they talk to a seller and they move from just a lead to qualified pipeline. And when you're doing direct outreach as a seller or you're doing some sort of outbound method, the time from first touch to qualified lead is actually usually pretty quick. It's not necessarily one phone call away, mm-hmm. but in principle, it's kind of one phone call away. If you get the right person at the right time, you can qualify that deal on your first call, which is very exciting. Social selling changes that 
It doesn't seem from all of our evidence to change the overall amount of time from first touch to qualified pipeline, but it changes the amount of time as to when they enter qualified pipeline. And most of that comes down to what we were just talking about, which is all of the time you're investing in building trust, in building that relationship, and just being visible on the platform. So the, it's a very, it's a much longer time than especially sellers are used to. Marketers, I think, are actually really comfortable with this idea. I think marketers are used to that. Oh, we have an email and a name, and then they eventually sign up for an event three months later, and then they eventually, you know, download another ebook or any sort of gated content, or they visited our site again, or they came, and it's like eight months of engagement, and then finally they reach out to the sales team. That's sort of that same cycle that happens on social, but instead of it being an orchestrated effort from all of the marketing teams, you know, lead generation and demand generation programs, it's actually the seller themselves who's out on the platform building trust and building relationships with prospects. So the time from, I don't know, your first comment or the time you send your first connection request to the point in which they actually have the right timing, the triggers are in order, the direct outreach makes sense, you've built trust with them, all the other factors are all in place, is actually pretty long compared to cold calling or cold emailing somebody. But everything we've seen suggests that the time to close is really quick. Because in a traditional sale, and especially in B2B, in a traditional sale, the seller has to build trust while the deal is active. So even though marketing may take care of a lot of the value proposition and the messaging and making it clear why somebody should buy from you, the seller is still basically responsible for overcoming objections, clarifying questions, building trust, guaranteeing things, delivering all, navigating the sale, basically. Most of that gets handled on the front end when you do social selling because they're like, Linda, she knows what she's doing. She's going to take care of me. I'm ready to work with her. She's and everywhere. <laughs> she's everywhere, right? <laughs> and so they come to you. And so that's where, in many ways, social selling transforms or can transform outbound activities to inbound activities. It's still kind of outbound because you're still going to the accounts and the leads and you're saying, hey, look at me, look at me, kind of, you know, building trust and commenting and creating content for them. But eventually it it happens that they come to your profile and they say, I want to talk about what you're offering. And so that's that moment when, or you reach out and they're like, yes, let's schedule a meeting. But now it's not an anonymous sale. It's somebody who you trust. And so the time to close, they understand everything that a traditional salesperson would need to explain to them in a traditional sales process. And what's interesting too, is that a lot of that trust is built without, sometimes without you even knowing it. Like a lot of people that reach out to me, will say, hey, I've been following you for a while. And they've never commented. They've mm -hmm. never said anything. Mm -hmm. And then boom. Or I had somebody recently refer a client who it looks like they're going to sign with me who I've never spoken to. Like the person mm -hmm. who's referring me and I, I don't even know. <laughs> so it's, like, it's so interesting how that whole thing, you know, you just don't know what is happening, you know, under this. No. And, and that's where like everybody has a different number. I've always enjoyed the 5590. So 5% of people comment or engage on the entire platform. And 1%, which is sort of a subgroup, are actually creating content. And then everybody else, the whatever, 94% that's left over are lurkers. 
They just log on and they passively scroll. And so one thing that dissuades a lot of people when they do content or they do commenting stuff is they say, well, I'm not getting enough likes. Like I'm not getting any comments and I get it. Like we want to be rewarded for that, but to exactly what you said, Nick and I have both had people reach out to us for consulting deals or for training. And we, they've never ever engaged in our content or even like a, a couple of weeks ago, somebody reached out to me and said, and very big account, huge follower base and said, I love what you've been posting these past few months. I was like, I had no idea you were even following me. That's great. <laughs> because they never engaged, right? And so we have to step back from like what's immediately in our face, the wah, 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 sort of alert noises of likes and comments and engagement and really think about, okay, how am I going to build trust with somebody who never engages? What can I provide to them? And a lot of that's content right? And commenting. That's all that indirect side of the seesaw is where that magic happens. Yeah. And people see what you, they, they get a good idea of your personality too. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. I joke around a lot. Cause that is me, you know, and you don't have to be a different person when you're commenting. I mean, it, if people are offended, which everyone's offended about everything lately, just, yeah. you can't worry about it. I mean, you just you say what you want to say. Yeah. But, um, are there like prerequisites for successful social selling? Is there such a thing as a prerequisite? That's a great question. I, I don't think so in sort of a traditional sense. Like, are there prerequisites for sending a good cold email if we step out of the social selling terminology for a second. Maybe. I mean, you probably, no matter what you're selling, you probably need to understand its value proposition, the company's messaging, who you're going after, some sort of like basic level understanding. But to so from a foundation level, like just to get started on the platform, no, there's no prerequisites. To do it really well, I think you have to nail your profile. If there was one prerequisite I was going to offer here, it has to be your profile. And the best part is your profile can change. So you can, it's not cut, it's not etched in stone. So you can change it whenever you want and run experiments off of it and see, become like a little mad scientist and figure out, okay, I changed my headline. Did my connection rate, acceptance rate go up or down? I did that the other week. I'm always (laughs) tweaking it, especially as a copywriter. It's like, maybe I need to do. And the thing is, but you hear so many different rules or guidelines. Like you have to do. I don't know. I I never know what you're really supposed to do. So yeah. The sort of rules of thumb that we created were a three second rule. The three second rule is what's the first sense impression that somebody has of your, of your profile. That is your, your cover photo and your name and your profile photo and your headline. That's it. And the three second test is, will they scroll? It comes down to whether you're providing enough value and enough interest and enough insight in your headline and in your cover photo. Because everywhere on LinkedIn, you have your name and your profile photo and you have your uh, headline. And so that's something that people can see no matter where you're at and they can you know, read it no matter what. It's just kind of there for everybody to consume. But your cover photo and your top section of your profile determines whether somebody is going to scroll or not. And that is, are you providing a little bit of a breadcrumb 
Right. Just a just a little juicy bit where they scroll down and then they read your featured section or your about section. So for me, the goal is if and you can send this to 10 friends. I mean, this is the easiest test. Obviously, you would prefer for it to be prospects, but like if you only have peers, that's fine. And be like, hey, is this do you want to scroll? Do you want to learn more about me? Or like, do you want to learn more about my company by visiting my my profile? So that's like the baseline. Everything else I think is up for you to experiment with. Yeah. Headlines in our experience need to be value focused and not impact focused. Like headlines that clarify accelerate lean revenue growth are just kind of salesy. Right. Or we help boost ROI by 420%. Like that's cool. It's nice that it's specific, but all of our tests show that people do not accept connection requests from people like that because they expect a pitch. Right. Sometimes like titles are fine. So there's lots of experiments you can run in your headline. And then the last thing, honestly, is your about section. For a seller, for an actual sales representative, that can be an asynchronous pitch, a pitch on your own time, something for people to find on their own. And you can tell a story about yourself and about your company and interweave it into the, I think it's like 2,600 characters that are allowed. For others, it works better building a personal brand that you just tell your own story about yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're positioning your profile to be recruited, then it should be about the jobs that you want and the experience you have. It sort of depends upon what you're trying to do, but you're trying to drive them to some point of action, which you're very talented at, Linda. Since you're a copywriter, you understand this flow down. So like, what's the, so that's the CTA. Do you want them to follow? Do you want them to connect with you? What, you know, that's what the profile should be there for. Yeah. Everything else that people say is their own opinions. I have my own and it's better to just like test it out in your industry and see what works. And I read something today. Somebody posted about, you should not put the year that you graduated if you're old. Because <laughs> 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 mine, that's because very I'm funny. And I look, and if people go down and see, I mean, they'd be. I don't know. I just think there is definitely some some ageism, and I forget who even said it, but they said just take it off, like don't put dates or don't put where. You know, I, I thought that was so funny, and I actually I don't think I took it down. How? So you mentioned that you know this all of this takes a while to work. So is there a time where you would say okay? This, and what do you do? Like, if you're not social selling, what are you going to do anyway? If you have a product to sell, what's the alternative, right? But how long does it take to, to work? Our current record is 17 minutes to a booked meeting off of comments. It's pretty fast. That's certainly above and beyond what people normally are, are able to do. And certainly something we like talking about because it's a very cool example. Like a world record. Yeah, kind of a world record. And basically, the, the sales representative said, I don't believe you. And so my co-host, Nick, said, all right, bet. And here's what you should do. Comment on the, these kinds of accounts. And 17 minutes later, he had an inbound request for a meeting. You know, you can generate stuff extremely quickly if needed, if done right. My rule of thumb is 60 to 90 days. And honestly, the real benchmark, I think, is 90 days. It depends upon where you're starting from. But if you're active out on the platform, becoming strategic about who you're talking to, what content you're creating for, who you're able to reach, who you're commenting on, the influences you're commenting on, whether you're engaging with events and are your ICP persona at those events, just one after the other, basically. Do you have a strategy in place to reach the accounts and companies that you want to work with? If you do a lot of the indirect and direct together, 90 days is the real benchmark where you start to see results. 
And those results look like higher trust with accounts, conversations in the DMs that aren't necessarily salesy, but building a relationship with key leads or key personas at these companies, engagement on your own content that you're posting, good conversations in the comments, and inbound connection requests, people who want to connect with you. All of that can happen in 90 days when you set out a plan. Mm-hmm. And actually, from my own experience, we changed our plan around the beginning of, of 2022. And we not too much, but we became very focused on a couple key audiences. We did our research. We did a bunch of social listening. We put together the frameworks and all the content. And we started producing content. And we started commenting. And we started engaging with the right influencers. And 90 days later, all of the results were pouring in. Usually that's the benchmark. It can take longer if you don't know how to be strategic or you don't know how to target and you have to experiment and iterate through that. So yeah, it could take six months, but somewhere between 17 minutes and six months is where you should be seeing results. (laughs) So the sweet spot is like three months or... Exactly. Somewhere in that, in that. I need to be more strategic because I do a lot of content and, you know, I put myself out there and I've been on really active on LinkedIn just over a year. And Mm -hmm. just now I'm really getting really qualified, really good leads, but I did not have a strategy. I mean, I had a little bit of a strategy. My problem is that I will just go on people's feeds that I like. So it's like, okay, they're not... (laughs) Or if they're funny, I, you know, and I do target like people who I would like to work with too, but a lot of times they're kind of dry. It's like, oh, I just mm-hmm. can't take any more of these marketing acronyms. It's good. Honestly, we, we talk about three different buckets. Like there's, there's a bucket A or bucket one that are your target accounts. You should engage with them. I always say maybe at least 50%, but it doesn't have to be a hundred percent. Because then the other two buckets, bucket B are influencers that your target accounts follow and bucket C are peers and other friends on the platform. Like it is important to engage, I believe, with your friends and your peers and the people you like, because it gives you a reason to get on the platform that isn't just, oh, I want to sell. Case in point, this interview, there's a real community out on LinkedIn and just diving into it and talking with people who aren't always your ICP persona is fine. Like that's, it's a social media platform. That's what it's there for. (laughs) Some people are just really funny. And like yes. Chris Vogue, you know, I go, oh. on, I don't care what he's posting. I know it's going to be hilarious. So, Chris is so funny. <laughs> I know. But yeah. So pe- people can obviously find you on LinkedIn. Where else can they find you in your, if they want uh, to know what you do? Yeah. I mean, if you want to learn more, you can just go to the B, the number two B powerhour.com and find our entire podcast library there, live shows, courses, other stuff. But I'm always on LinkedIn and always happy to accept a connect and a DM. But if you pitch me, I, I, I just don't respond. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Morgan. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. It's been great to chat. Okay, so that wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it valuable. And if you did and you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it with friends and business associates who may find it of interest as well. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn or you can reach out to me through my website at thecopyworks.com and we'll talk to you soon.